0: I'm Jimmy Alexander and welcome to Out With Jimmy. It's the podcast where members of the LGBTQ community share their coming out stories with you. If you would like to share your story, please go to outwithjimmy.com or just follow me on social media, out with Jimmy Alexander on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook and reach out to me and I will get back to you. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts, click subscribe to make sure you don't miss any episodes. And this week we have a very special guest.
1: Hi, I'm Yoward Charlie. I am a realtor in Beverly Hills, and I'm on a television show called Listing Impossible for CNBC. And uh, I have been with my husband now for 11 years, married for six. And uh, yeah, so just living our best life.
0: 11 years. That's like 45 in gay years. Congratulations on that.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. Yes, I'm waiting. I'm trying to figure out if if Hallmark has a special card for that. I haven't found that yet, but (laughs) on the lookout.
0: Well, well, um, I I start each podcast this way, and I will with you. Who was the first person that you looked at and you said out loud, I'm gay?
1: Well, um, so I'll tell you sort of a a funny kind of story. I'll try to make it really quick. So uh, I grew up in San Francisco um, in in a very sort of strict Muslim household. And so sex and sexuality wasn't exactly a topic that came up very often, but after college, I had moved to LA, and by that point, I had I was in a same-sex relationship, um, but didn't really know how to tell my family. So this is and I, uh, this is when um, the sleep drug Ambien first came out. So this is about you know two thousand ish, two thousand one, and so you know I'm very sensitive to those kind of drugs, but I'm a light sleeper, and my family was coming over. They were. Staying with me, you know, big ethnic family, they never get a hotel, everyone has to stay with you. So I was a light sleeper and I thought, okay, I'll take half an Ambien, we're going to bed. And so I did that, but the thing about that drug is if you take it and don't go to sleep and you stay up, you become rather loopy. And so I don't know how the conversation began exactly. I think it was sort of a day full of innuendo that there was some hot topic that my family wanted to discuss with me. But <laughs> it, 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 during the time I took this ambient and we went to bed, during during this bit of an ambient haze, topic of converse sexuality came up because, you know, obviously I wasn't married and in our culture, usually by that point, you're you're looking to get married or it's on the horizon. And I told them that I was gay and they said, we know. And then we went to bed. I don't remember anything about the conversation at all because the joy of Ambien is it basically wipes your memory. (laughs) If you stay awake and don't go to sleep. And like a true Muslim family, we didn't mention it again for five years. And so I knew that I did it. I felt really relieved. And then they have to like, nothing happened. It was delightful.
0: (laughs) Well that sounds very catholic of you also. That sounds like it would be in my family. See there shows I know. that we have a lot in common. It shows that no matter uh, race, color, creed, we all have a lot more in common than we don't.
1: Oh my god, 100%. 100%. And um you know eventually um 5 years later we did have a longer conversation about that because my partner at the time and I were buying a house and moving in together and I needed to tell them like this isn't just a friend. This is you know, this is my partner. And, you know, and that was a sober conversation Um, and they didn't take it all that great. But at the end of the day, I was very clear and I've always been very clear. and This has sort of been my motto for anybody when it comes to discussing sexuality, which is if you don't have a problem with it and you're comfortable in your own skin and you don't give people the permission to have an issue with it, most often than not, I found they don't. And that's how I've approached it. And that's how I approached my family as well.
0: What a healthy attitude. How old were you when you first knew you were gay? Um, you know, the interesting for me,
1: I think, is uh, I, there were a, I, I started sort of that kind of experimentation phase probably in my early 20s. I went to an all-boys Catholic school. So people, when I tell that story, they always think I have some amazing, crazy stories. But I don't really. Um, I've I you know, had the same best friend since I was 12. And it was just sort of a very sort of organic thing when it started. And all of my kind of group was in theater. So everyone was sort of fluid and open when it came to that stuff. So it was a very sort of organic, non-dramatic thing, really. And the first person I ever fell in love with was actually my little brother in the fraternity that I was in. And I'm a very communicative person. So I knew that I was feeling these things, but didn't have language for it. So I just kind of explained it to him and told him like, this is what's going on with me.
0: I think I saw that on, I think I saw the scene on men.com, but that's a different story for (laughs) neither here nor there. So uh, hold on, you, you're at an old boys Catholic school. Correct. And I went to judgment college too. Oh, for Pete's sakes. You wasted some prime (laughs) years, my friend. I'm going to tell you that right now i made up for last time. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Right? So um, did you ever tell that your little brother in the fraternity that you were in love with him?
1: Yeah, I did actually. I did. I'll never forget the response. I feel the same way about you, but I wasn't raised that way. That was the response I got. <laughs> uh-huh. And I said, I remember I said, I have, a, I have a photographic memory. So whenever I write my memoir, it's going to be really good. Um, but I, I literally said, I said, neither was I, you know, I come from a really, you know, a strict. Muslim background. This is not what I had planned either. I thought I was going to have like ten kids, but this is how I feel. I can't deny it. And this is how you feel. Why should you? So let's give it a shot. That was my
0: response. And did that line work
1: for uh, like three months and ended in flames? <laughs> <laughs>
0: what well, was out of it
1: Like just just like it's supposed to. Being
0: gay, lesbian, trans, even in two thousand twenty. You know, we just uh, not too long ago. Um, spring court ruled that we can't get fired <laughs> for being right. ourselves. Right. But um, doing research about you, um, there was a story that just broke my heart that you and your family had to deal with growing up in what most people perceive as the very liberal San Francisco after 9-11. Do you mind talking about right. that?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, so my family is, is uh, from Pakistan, Middle Eastern, and we, my I grew up with my extended family so my aunts I call them my mom and mom people think that they're two lesbians but they're actually <laughs> sisters um, but anyway so we we were the only ethnic family in a pre- predominantly white neighborhood in um, Marin County which is right over the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco and um you know right after nine eleven, uh we had the FBI show up on our doorstep because apparently some neighbors called saying that we had ties to Al-Qaeda we had our front yard set on fire there's you know, it was it was a really rough time to be from that part of the world, and um, you know, it was crazy because the FBI showed up, and at that time I had just moved to LA. I, I used to be an actor, and I was living in LA, and they came to our house, and they knew my name, they knew where I lived in LA, they asked what I was doing in LA, and who I was, and all of this stuff. It was really, you know, it was freaky, and and it only happened because we looked different, because we you know my my everyone wears traditional clothing for the most part, like the the women in my family, so. Um, we we stand out in that respect. Very sort of sobering time,
0: and heartbreaking for your mom and your your just whole family. That um, there's the neighbors who you've probably been to their homes, they've been to your homes, you know them, and that one of them would call the FBI on you. It's just horrible. Correct.
1: it, it is, and you know it's very interesting because um, especially with everything sort of going on in the climate right now in terms of racial. Um, kind of social justice and race issues right now, certainly not to the extent that that African Americans have to go through this, but you know i i I had a hundred stories of um never like a overt physical action, but jokes and comments, especially growing up, you know when we you know had religious functions or there were holy days, I would dress in traditional Pakistani clothing, and I have an unusual name, so as you can imagine like you get that on a regular basis. Um, and it wasn't until I got older that I really learned to embrace that. I mean, I remember these girls making fun of us. My, I was with my mom and she was in traditional clothing and I, we were in a mall in Los Angeles and we were kind of in an elevator. and they, We were making a joke and we were laughing. As they got off the elevator, they made a racist comment in kind of like that Seven Eleven 11 accent, yeah. that Indian accent that you hear quite a bit. I literally stopped the elevator held it open. And I said, just so you know, we don't have that accent. We were born and raised here and I'm pretty sure collectively we have more higher education than everyone in your family. So I would encourage you <laughs> next time before you make a racist comment, know your audience, Ugh. try not to get mad at people. Um, and I think this comes again from going up in San Francisco, going to a very diverse college. And, you know, I was, I was a resident advisor for many years when I was there. So we had to go through a lot of, um, multicultural training and being just someone that people would come to for questions about what is it like to be from a different place and how you know in terms of assimilation and in terms of you know keeping your cultural identity and all this so i feel like i have a good grounding in that so i when people say well i don't really see there to be an issue i said you know what it makes sense your background like why would you but here let me give you an example and just you know this is one of a, a million examples but let me give you a couple that you can go oh I didn't think about that or, Oh, I don't, didn't see that before. And I think, you know, which kind of ties back to sort of when marriage equality was a big issue. I always try to tie it back in sort of a non-threatening way to say, well, look at it this way, you know, you, you know, Jason and, and I, and we don't threaten you and we're, we're some of your closest friends and you have us over for dinner. Imagine if, if we were fired, if our employer just said, you know what, we want to fire you because we don't believe in your lifestyle. That could happen. Imagine if uh, we wanted to adopt an agency right now can tell us no. And when I tell them that they're like, well, that's not right. And I'm like, I know that's why I really need you to vote in November. I said, I understand my issues aren't yours, but these are sort of basic human rights. And if we could all get them, I think that would be good. And so I, th- I always try to yes. kind of connect it with a personal story, you know?
0: Well, you know, what's beautiful about that is um, there's two little things. Uh, one is you can't see behind me, but one of the, the portraits behind me, is of Harvey Milk mm-hmm. and Harvey Milk's line about how, why it's so important for people to come out because the more people who come out, you realize it's not the deviance that you, they would say that gay people were back, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Right. Right. That it's your brother. It's your sister. It's your neighbor. It's exactly. you and your husband. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and then the other part I, and I, and people laugh when I ta- uh, mention this couple the gay couple I think have helped our our cause so much is Mitch and Cam from Modern Family. And the reason is that you know, my joke is about it, is they didn't on the show they didn't have problems about poppers or going to the leather bar or going to brunch which you know stereotypical um, gay couple issues that you you know that the other side you know says there are, what you saw is they had normal couple problems that any couple could relate to. Right. Exactly. Um, no, it's that's like, true. It's like when I got married, I thought for a long time it'd be easier dating men than women. But then when, when I got married, I, real, I didn't realize how many things I did wrong, like loading and unloading <laughs> the dishwasher. Apparently, I'm not good same at Same problems, same problems, same challenges. Same. <laughs> exactly. So who was the first celebrity crush you had? Oh. Ooh,
1: that's a hard one. The only celebrity that I've been kind of a, and this is going to be a total downer for, for what you're looking for, but the only celebrity that I've had a huge like obsession with my whole life has been Madonna. That's the only one. Like that's everyone, cele- celebrities for me have never been like a thing. I've never like, you know, see, oh, I take that back. Maybe Army Hammer, but that's a more recent thing.
0: That's and that's not, like, from a, totally back. 100% understandable. Superman or the <laughs> Lone Ranger. Right, um, you see, I have a type, basically. You do, you do. It's very square jaw. Right, um, exactly. No, Madonna, now tell us about your wedding.
1: So we, we, we've been married twice, but the, 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 as I like to say, the one that was free <laughs> occurred um, in January, six years ago. Um, a friend of mine was casting the, well, let me, let me back up. So marriage equality had just passed about this, seven years ago, actually. And about six months later, the producers of the Grammy Awards wanted to do a segment for marriage equality. And there was a song uh, by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis called Same Love, which ended up becoming like kind of a marriage equality anthem of sorts. And it was nominated for several Grammy Awards. And so they wanted, they had this idea of marrying several couples on the Grammy Awards. And so a friend of mine is a casting director, and he coincidentally was invited to um, my wedding, my my. Otherwise, an expensive one. And he called us and said, hey, I have an opportunity for you. Would you be interested in getting married on the Grammy Awards? And our initial reaction was no. And the reason that I said no is, um, you know, I'm I'm a realtor and uh, it's sort of like um, I work in a luxury market and because of a couple other projects I've done, you know, we get approached to do reality shows quite a bit. And I'd always said no. And Jason is a very private person. And so we've just kind of avoided that kind of thing as a couple. And so when they we said, no, my friend was like, you're a crazy person. I'm going to wait a week and call me back and let tell me you're doing it. And I said, okay. So we thought about it We thought, you know, it's the Grammy Awards. It's a big deal. This isn't some like cheesy reality show. Like we'll be, we'll be taken care of. And it's kind of a major moment and we'll regret it if we say no. So we said, yes. And um, they would not tell us anything about it. Um, you know, who was, what it was, how we were going to, nothing. And then the weekend before, they're like, "Okay, we decided that we're not giving any details to the couples. You just have to show up on Friday for tech rehearsal." And so I called the producer and I said, "Absolutely not. We're not coming unless you tell us like what's going on. You can't expect us to be legally married and not have any details." And we weren't allowed to tell anybody, by the way, this was happening. So he calls me and says, "Okay, so I'm going to tell you, but you cannot, got to keep it off social media and do not tell anybody." I'm like, "It's fine. Like, what is it?" And he said, "You're going to come out during Macklemore and Ryan Lewis's number." Queen Latifah just got ordained for the weekend. She is going to perform the ceremony in the middle of the song. And then Madonna is going to come out and sing, open your heart. And I said, okay, that's all I needed to know. Thank you. I'm cool. He goes, "Okay, be great. See you tomorrow. And I looked at the phone and Jason was like, well, what'd he say? And I told him, He's like, are you okay? Like, are you going to be okay? And I said, do you have any idea that I have just like, since I was 12 years old, I visualized that this lady is going to sing at my wedding and now it's actually happening. So that's kind of how it worked. And so it was the most wild, out-of-body experience. And I'm really glad, like, you know, it wasn't real until we walked into the Staples Center, which holds like 20,000 people, just for reference. And we go in there for tech rehearsal. And we walk in and Metallica's on stage finishing their number with like this famous pianist and the piano's on
0: fire and all this stuff. Now and I guarantee you that you never, 30 people. I guarantee you that you never thought that Metallica would be at your wedding.
1: No, crazy. <laughs> so then it's our turn. And then, you know, Madonna is like 10 feet away from me. Just like stretching, super chill, really nice. Macklemore, Ryan, Lewis, like they're all just hanging out. And I'm like, this is insane. And so I'm glad that we got to see it and be a part of it in dress rehearsal so many times, because when the actual moment happened, it was such a rush of energy. And I don't think anyone expected the crowd inside the Staples Center to react the way they did, because you had all of these celebrities and musicians like crying and screaming. And it was just, a wild thing and like as we're walking off like Paul McCartney is grabbing my hand and like Ringo Starr gave me a hug and I'm like this is crazy. And okay well, now I'm you're bragging. Exactly. You're, you're, you're just I bragging. I know I totally am. Point. I totally am. I totally am. You're correct. <laughs> but it was the most surreal bizarre experience and then you know for the wedding I wore a traditional Pakistani outfit and Jason was in a tuxedo and there's a photo of us walking out of the Staples Center and this photographer took it And we go backstage and everyone's like celebrating and super excited. And one of the other couples was like, oh my God, you're on the cover of uh, the Today Show um, Instagram page or Twitter page or whatever it was. And I look and it's this photo of us. By that evening, that photo was on the cover of everything. And so if you Google Grammy Gay Wedding, you'll actually see our photo before all the performers. It's hilarious.
0: I'm going to show that right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out with uh, Jimmy on Instagram. You can see it right now. Um, When were you for the first time proud to be gay? (sighs) Um, Wow. I've
1: never not been, if that's, that makes any sense. But I will say there, there have been moments where I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. Like, you know, again, growing up in San Francisco, I think you get spoiled, right? So our family actually used to go to the pride celebrations as a kid, because it's very much a citywide thing, a citywide festival. Um, and so I had remembered going as a child, but it wasn't until I was in college and we, I went with my friends and you saw such diversity. And I remember thinking, wow, I can't, I didn't know that there were this many gay people in like in the city i didn't know this many people existed it just made you feel not alone like it made you feel really excited that there was such a huge community i felt that like when i moved to la for the first time and i'm um, and i saw all of these faces. and you know you're sort of used to like your circle of friends or your group of friends or going out to a bar and seeing the same people and i remember at pride always thinking like wow where do these people come from i had no idea there were so many um so anytime anytime i'm I, that's why i love going to sort of you know lgbtq events and functions it's just such a sense of camaraderie and feeling like you have something in common with people um so that's but, you
0: know what you are kind of answer what last week i was proud to have on um the podcast here um a gentleman named deacon mccubin who started dc's first gay pride day that's now mm-hmm. called now grown into capital pride and he talked about starting in 1975 And he owned a bookstore. It was D.C.'s first um, gay and lesbian uh, bookstore. And he said he didn't know how many people would show up, but 2,000 people showed up. And that was at a time where you you certainly know that not only could you uh, lose your job, but you could lose your family for being seen at an event like that. Mm -hmm. But he said that he and his um, husband now, got death threats, bomb threats, their windows broken out of their book, out of the bookstore because they had that event. Wow. And now you look at it and, you know, four, 400 to 500,000 people show up to both days of it.
1: Yeah. And, it's, and, it's so amazing how times have changed and, and, um, you know, progress and there's still work to be done, but, um, you know, after the Grammys, what, what I would say the, the most profound thing that occurred were the responses that we got. Um, I, we both got emails and messages from all over the world. And what moved me the most were these messages from um, predominantly Muslim countries. Because again, the outfit that I wore was so distinctive and different that it resonated with people. And um, we were getting emails from places I couldn't even pick out on a map that were like, I'm so happy that I saw that because it's not possible where I live, but it gave me hope. That maybe someday I could find that. I think that if we are open to have conversations with folks, it really helps to break down those barriers and to not take um, people's people's need for more time as negative feedback uh, when we had our second slash expensive wedding. Uh, my, I have a very large family and there was, uh, one of my aunts and her husband and their kids did not come to the wedding. And it was because of religious reasons. They were very polite about it. Um, and I said, that's great. No problem. Not flustered by it. I'm not hurt by it. If you can't come, that's four extra friends that I can invite. We have a very small guest list and it was like Sophie's choice. anyway, So
0: <laughs>
1: not a problem. And, and <clears throat> she would always periodically send me religious books and oh, things like yeah. that. And we had a conversation once and I said, listen, here's the deal. And I said, let's just have this conversation once. So we don't have to go over it a thousand times. You love me. I love you. You adore Jason. And he, he adores you as well. We're not going anyplace. Our relationship is what it is. And I'm going to live this life being who I am and happy. And if God has an issue with that, I don't think he will. I'll be sure to have that conversation when I get there. But until that happens, you and I are finished having this chat. <laughs> <And> <laughs> she was like, "Well, yeah, but." And I said, "No, no, Mm-mm. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> we are done. We are going to have mutual love and respect, and agree to disagree on this topic." And that's it. And that's all we've ever said about
0: it. When you uh, got into acting, now you come from mm-hmm. a, a family of uh, show people, as they say. I right. mean, your your grandfather, a legend. Um, And you decided to go into show business yourself. Now, when you did that, were you out or did you or did people know? Um,
1: I mean, it wasn't on my headshot, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> uh, nobody, can, I mean, nobody cared again um it was uh the how let me back up so i was a stage actor primarily i had my master's in fine arts and i was on tour and did a lot of classical work so i always knew going in like you know if i was auditioning for something for shakespeare's canon i knew exactly what kind of role i was playing if i knew it was this classical piece i knew it so because being, you know, a minority, there's not a ton of us running around doing classical theater all over the place. When I moved to LA, it was a very different experience. All I was getting called in for were terrorists and drug dealers. Oh. So it's kind of funny. Like, if you look at my early work, you're like, wow, he's a really good abusive husband. Like when I was on Heroes, <laughs> I played an <laughs> <my> abusive husband. <laughs> when I, when I, oh no. When I, it's true. When I was on, um, I think it's the Dark Eyebrows um, kind of gives po- it away.
0: Poor Jason, um, I, I hope, it, I hope yeah. you're not a, um, one of those uh, yeah. method actors.
1: No, 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 okay. only on TV, <laughs> only on TV. Um, so, you know, stereotypically, we got the terrorists, the drug dealers, and then there'd be like doctor and engineer kind of thrown in. And um, that's just sort of my career path. So the idea of being out was never, never an issue. I mean, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a known name or a known commodity, so it didn't really yeah. matter to anybody. You miss acting. Um, you know, I, I, I miss that cre- kind of creative outlook, but I will say that um, sort of the universe kind of gave me the best of both worlds. When I transitioned into real estate, I found it a very creative field because I love the process of helping people. I love the process of Finding a home for someone in that right fit. So for me, I found that I was able to channel that creativity into that kind of search, and then when you know shows like the the one I'm on, Listing Impossible came around, it kind of fed both needs. So I got to have my on-camera um, fix as well as my real estate fix. So it all those kind of bests of both worlds married. But um, I, I do love the creative process. And, but there's a lot of other avenues out there. You know, one can be taking class and doing other things. It doesn't always have to be um, in a forum in which it's seen by a million people.
0: Now, let me ask you um, this. Did you, um, when you go and you're showing house, you a house, are you on stage in a way? Are you performing? <laughs>
1: Um, let's just say this. I always make a joke that I, I would complain at times that where I, you know, if some deals were going south, I'm like, geez, I should have got an MBA instead of an MFA. <laughs> but um, the reality is that I think, you know, the universe gives you opportunities to use your entire skill set. And that's really what happened with me. Um, I, have a, I have a bachelor's in psychology. I have a master's in acting and and I'm a good communicator. All of those things kind of take place in a real estate transaction. You do, you have to be on, you have to be presentational, you have to be a therapist and an active listener and a good business person. So all of those skills kind of worked out
0: together. Well, and I hope you don't mind me saying this. There's a kindness that comes across with you.
1: Thank you so much. I really, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, and I, I really do appreciate that. It's, it's, um, something in- business I, I've always found important which is it, as with any field I suppose but but when you're selling something or in a in a market where you work for yourself it's very easy to compare yourself with other people and feel like oh I should be doing what that person's doing or oh I'm not doing enough of this and I learned early on like you'll drive yourself crazy comparing yourself to people the best thing that you can do for yourself as a person for your clients as a just as a human being is be your authentic self and yes I've, I've always been, like, I've always been a kind person. And that, to me, that's one of my, like, if I had to pick one of the ingredients of my secret sauce, kindness is one of them. Authenticity is another. And I just feel like that's kind of, if you do that, and you're still good at your job, why wouldn't people want to work with you, you know?
0: I certainly know. my I have a big thing about, uh, especially um, uh, candidates running for office. If you read, even if they're on my side politically, but if you read that they're not nice to their staff, I can't support them. I mean, that is a big... Can, are you a good person? Can you look in the mirror? Right, right. And that is... I I, I don't like when you hear stories about people treating employees or underlings or, or whomever poorly. It's like, okay, you're not a good person. I don't know how you do that.
1: No, yeah, I, I would agree with you, yeah. If you could go
0: back and play any role in film or on uh, stage who would it be? Ooh Ooh Because if I could sing and dance which I can't do either I would want to um, but if I could I'd want to be the devil in Damn Yankees
1: uh, what a great role What a fun fun role um, See it's so funny because I get cast normally as those characters I would have picked Joe in uh. that show yes Just the total opposite because i never get cast as that stuff like i did romeo and juliet like three times and i was never romeo <laughs> did west side story with bernardo like uh, always the dark stuff um <laughs> the damn eyebrows so it would be it totally is um i mean that's sort of what i would pick i would i never get the romantic stuff so i would pick something like that i would pick like a and mcgregor's character in moulin rouge type thing
0: very nice very nice right um, if you, um, so going onto the show, being on, um, worldwide television, mm-hmm. um, were you apprehensive about it?
1: No, because that, no is your, that is your, that is your craft. Yeah. I was very excited about it, but the difference is, um, you know, listing impossible is not a, is not a scripted show. It's very, first of all, it's for CNBC, which is a business network. So it's not your typical real estate reality show. There's no throwing of chairs. There's no drama between agents for the most part. There's no, There's no. it's not about our life. It's about the brass tacks of selling luxury, challenging homes with sellers who, you know, oftentimes um, they need us for a reason. You know, they're, they're not, not the easiest and the situations are not the, the easiest. And so we go in there and really apply our skill set. So for me, it was a really wonderful opportunity because I'm comfortable in front of the camera. I had done reality before. So I felt very, I was I was having the cameras follow you around and kind of have them in the background. It was just, it was very um, second nature to me. So, and I really feel like um, in the first season, you're always kind of feeling it out. You don't want to be too over the top. You don't want to, you know, you still want to be professional. And I feel like for season two, now I kind of have the groove of seeing what they kind of put together and going, okay, I can let loose a little bit more. I can be a little bit more me in certain ways.
0: Do you, um, here's a question. I always wonder with a situation like yours, you have a client pain in the ass, annoying. You don't particularly care for them. Yes. How do you keep the <laughs> smile on and communicate with them without, you know, going, okay, I'm gonna push them in the pool.
1: Um, yeah, because I'm there to do a job you know, I don't take it personally. Um, for the most part, I try not to. Um, and I've been doing this long enough. I've been real estate now for 13 years. I've had every type of client. I've had clients yell at me, not necessarily because they were because of, because of me, but situationally I've had clients have meltdowns. I've had, you name it, I've seen it. And, um, and now, um, I've kind of come to the point where if I, I call them energy vampires, yeah. if they're clients that I feel are going, you know, they're not my people, they're not, you know, I, I try to only work with, you know, people like like-minded people, but in business, oftentimes you can't do that. But if someone's unreasonable and too much of a drain on you and just kind of a pit of negativity, I don't need to work with them. Yeah. Um, sometimes you don't have that choice, but if I have that choice, I was trying to make a, make a informed decision. But at the same time, I realize I'm there to do a job. I don't take it personally. I do the best that I can do, even if I find that client challenging or difficult or whatever. I just want to make sure that however that transaction ends, be it in a sale, be it not in a sale, be it uh, whatever, I want to make sure that I can walk away going, I did the best that I can do no no matter what the situation was.
0: Well, that must be, uh, that becomes, shows you that you have the patience of Job and also... (laughs) And also maturity and doing it a long time.
1: I think so too. And I realize it's not about me, you know, buying and selling homes, you know, people sometimes forget it's the biggest investment someone's going to make in their life. Um, And it's an emotional experience. And when you have, like, for example, you're selling a home and people are walking through your home, strangers you've never even met before. It's an invasion of your space. If they're critiquing things about the home, you take it personally, you know, it's a whole thing. Um, and so I realized, you know, I'm there to facilitate a transaction. So therefore I have to, I have to conduct myself in a certain way and be sensitive to certain things. Same with buyers. I'm not a pushy, you know, buyers agent. I, I, really, I, I feel like I present things and the home finds us. Like you make that connection. It's a right fit. Just like buying shoes. If It fits you right. And it feels good. It's meant to be your shoe.
0: What is your favorite type of shoe? <clears> oh, <throat>
1: Ooh, I'm really going through it right now. I'm 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 going through a very expensive Salvador Ferragamo phase. Wow, oh. much to, much to Jason's sadness. <laughs> but um, we're very good, we're very good bargain shoppers, and I have a very petite South Asian foot, so I'm always able to find like the off size. Well, oh, what size shoe do you shop. wear Just, uh, you know, if it's a loafer, it's an eight. Otherwise, it's an eight and a half, nine. What is the
0: <laughs> most expensive? House you've sold?
1: Um, the most expensive house I had personally sold was $13.5
0: million. Dollars. Huh. Uh, what is the down payment for a $13.5 uh, million dollar home? Well, generally speaking,
1: if you're buying that, you're just writing a check. <laughs> oh my
0: God. Yeah. What would the mortgage be? Yeah.
1: Yeah, oh my yeah God. exactly. I mean, but you know, you never know. Like, like for example, listing impossible, I was selling a $22 million house and i was very close to getting it sold and it didn't happen. Oh. You know, currently, I currently I have a $16.5 million listing. So, you know, my, my listings vary. They, they could be $400,000 condos or they could be fourteen million homes. We, you know, I of do everything in the middle.
0: Hold on, let me ask my husband a question. Honey, do you want to buy a $16 million house? Okay, never mind. Not um, to Malibu, are you sure? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds like. <laughs> very calm, very chill, <laughs> perfect place to sit out the apocalypse.
0: <laughs> you are good. You are good. <laughs> um, I don't know if they'd be happy. My husband's a COVID uh, a 19 nurse. I don't know if uh, they would want us living there right now. If you could go back and give that kid in the Catholic school uh, advice, what would you do? What advice would you give
1: him? Mm. Ooh, I would, uh, what would I, what would I give that? What would I give that my 18 year old the hour advice? I would say think twice before getting a master's in fine arts. Because <laughs> if you want to, if you, you know, and seriously, seriously, if you want to perform on, on TV and film, go to LA, get a wonderful acting coach, get into class and make it happen. Um, if you don't want to teach, then you don't need that master's degree. But education is never a waste. I mean, it was a wonderful time in my life. Um, I would have I would have looked at the business side of show business a little bit. They didn't teach that very well, um, so I would have I would have given myself a bit more practical advice. I think.
0: And how about about coming out and being who you are? Um. God, I don't think I
1: would have changed a thing. I really don't. I think it all fell in how it was supposed to be. You know it was good to be a late bloomer. I had a wonderful childhood. I had
0: zero complaints about that.
1: and I just you know i don't I don't have anything to say. Everything came out on a timeline where it was supposed to happen.
0: Well, that's great. That is great. You are the first guest to say that, and I am so happy to finally have somebody um, <laughs> have a happy uh, have a happy childhood story. Well, thank um, you. I appreciate that. Well, no, it's somebody told me that they're like, I don't know if I'd be a guest. I don't have any really bad stories. I'm like, no, there's got to be good stories. That it, it proves to people that you can have a happy childhood. You can have a happy life. So I think it's great.
1: No, I think it's important because, you know, oftentimes when I speak to people and I do respect other people's stories and their journeys, and when I hear horrible stories regarding, you know, people's childhood or their coming out experiences, I always – I, I can definitely, I feel bad for them and I, I wish I wish it would have been different. Um, but for me, there's really very little that would change. I mean, I think it all happened how it was supposed to happen.
0: It's so nice talking to you and I appreciate your time and your patience today. Give Jason our best and take care of those shoes.
1: <laughs> I will take care.
0: Again, thank you to Yawar Charlie. You can find him on social media, Y-A-W-A-R-C-H-A-R-L-I-E. What a great guy, and I can't thank him enough for his time today. Also, thanks to WTOP and Julia Ziegler for helping us out here on Out With Jimmy. And especially thanks to you for listening. And remember, you'll never know when the last time you'll be able to tell somebody you love them. So go ahead and do it.